This podcast is brought to you by Minimal Productions. Producer Jim Mins. Welcome once again to another special COVID-19 related episode of The Weeks. I am your host, Jim Mins. On the podcast this week, we're focusing on the restraints on movement and assembly imposed via public health powers in the wake of the coronavirus pandemic. But before we begin, a reminder that we are recording this episode via Zoom due to the strict social distancing measures in place. And as a result, the audio is not of particular standard to our usual production qualities. But let me assure you, the quality still remains. Now on with the show. So ladies and gentlemen of the jury, it's my pleasure to introduce the fantastic threesome. Stephen Lawrence, how are you, sir? I'm good. I'm in my Corona abode, and it's good to see you all again. Your cabode, I believe. You, thank you. Fantastic, Felicity Graham. How are you? Uh, I'm great, Jim. Uh, I'm also in my Corona abode. Going good. Well. I could. It looks fantastic. I'm in my sister's uh, art studio, which is oh, very the only space I can find to quietly record this episode. Love it. It's working so far. Emmanuel Kirkasharian. Hi, Jim. I'm still able to smell, is my news. So oh, Good, good. No block nose for you. No. The cabode works. The cabode. Yes. Okay, great. Uh, moving on. Look, social distancing wigs, it's, it's, I had no idea about it. I, despite being a practitioner for many years, I had no idea I was actually engaged in the process of social distancing until recently. And now it's law. Uh, can you please explain more of this law to us, Mr. Stephen Lawrence? Take it away. Uh, thanks, Jim. Yeah, so everyone is now uh, well aware of social distancing as a practice um, and a principle, I suppose. Um, less clear, uh, probably for lots of people is a legal basis for it. And, um, yeah, I've certainly been fielding, uh, just because people know I'm a lawyer and stuff, heaps of questions about exactly what is allowed under social distancing laws and exactly what uh, the legal regime is. So where most of the regulation comes from is public health orders made under the Public Health Act, which is an act um, of the New South Wales State Parliament. The Minister has a power in Part 2 of that Act, um, or has a number of powers, but the broadest um, of the powers probably is the one that uh, gives the Minister's or the Minister power where he considers on reasonable grounds that a situation has arisen that is or is likely to be a risk to public health. And uh, if those circumstances arise, um, the provision provides that the minister may take such, such action and may by order give such directions as the minister considers necessary to deal with the risk and its possible consequences. Um, he also, uh, he or she has power to declare any particular part of the state to be a public health risk and then he's able to give particular directions for a particular part of the state. But in uh, the COVID-19 situation, the minister has used the broader power and has enacted a number um, of public health orders and the main one that is impacting on our lives is the public health COVID-19 restrictions um, on gathering and movement order of 2020. That was um, an order that the Minister made on the 30th of March 2020, and it is the order that is keeping us all in our houses. At 10.20pm, Stephen, I just want to say, he signed it at 10.20pm. He, Yeah, he did indeed. He took the um, slightly unusual step, I would have thought, for this sort of document of putting a time on it. I'm not sure why that is, but... Um, he did that. So the order is enforced um, or enforceable because it's a criminal offence under the Public Health Act that carries six months imprisonment or a fine of up to $11,000 to not to not comply with such an order. But as part of uh, the legislation that has gone through 
there's been provision made for it to be a penalty notice offence, which means mm. that if police uh, decide that you have breached the order, you will be given, um, unless they exercise their discretion not to do so, um, a uh, penalty notice which will impose a fine of $1,000. So going to the specific terms of the order, it um, contains in the beginning of the order um, a number um, of definitions of terms that are used in the order, including household, indoor space, outdoor space, parent, uh, place of residence, and a number of other terms. If you then uh, move through the order, there's um, a statement that uh, the minister has had grounds for concluding that there is a risk to public health, and it specifies, unsurprisingly, that uh, the risk to public health is the international outbreak of COVID-19. Um, then you go on to part two, clause five, which contains, I guess, uh, the most important part of the order, which states the minister directs that a person must not, without reasonable excuse, leave the person's place of residence. And then subsection two of clause five provides that for the purpose of subclause one, a reasonable excuse includes doing an activity specified by schedule one. And I'll come in a moment to what schedule one uh, says, but it essentially sets out, I think, the range of things that the government thinks it's reasonable for you to be doing at the moment um, in terms of leaving your house. Um, it's interesting in clause five, so right at the outset, um, of the order, there's the curious clause four, which says uh, that taking a holiday in a regional area is not a reasonable excuse. It's a bit of a strange provision because it would tend to suggest that taking a holiday in a non-regional area might be a reasonable excuse. Um, I don't think that's the intention of it, but uh, for some reason it's probably uh, something to do with some of the concern in regional areas about tourists still coming through, they've seen fit to specify that taking a holiday in a regional area is not a reasonable excuse, uh, so people shouldn't be doing that. Importantly, in Clause 5, it says that Subclause 1 does not apply to a person is, who is homeless, um, <clears throat> which sounds a bit um, ironic on the face of it, but um, I think that's intended to... Um, mean that homeless people that might be staying in a variety of places that could be described as their residence um, are not uh, prevented from leaving those places that are, in truth, uh, not their residence, but just a temporary place where they might be staying. Uh, then you go on to Clause 6, which um, states that the Minister directs that a person must not participate in a gathering in a public place of more than two persons. <clears throat> um, obviously, a provision that engages with a whole number of human rights, um, as does uh, the earlier Clause 5 as well. But it's very clear that uh, for the next three months at least, which is the term of this order, um, unless it's renewed, there will be no protests, assemblies or anything of that nature um, in New South Wales. There's then a number of exceptions to that rule that you can't participate in a gathering of more than two persons. Those exceptions include a gathering referred to in Schedule 2, and I'll come to that in a moment, um, a gathering of persons for the purpose of work. So that's been um, a little bit of a confusing one. I've heard stories about police stopping cars when there's more uh, than two people in a car. And I've heard particular stories about there being more than two people in a car who are travelling to and from work or travelling um, um, in between places during work hours. And police have been suggesting that people are in breach of that provision uh, because they're travelling together in cars. But uh, my read of it is that if they're doing it for the purpose of work, then they're not in breach of Clause 6. Uh, Subclause 2C of 6 is important, a gathering of persons, all of whom are members of the same household. So it is not an offence under this order for uh, people in the same household um, who number more than two to be out in public together, uh, though you will need, of course, a reasonable excuse to be outside of your home. 
D, a gathering for a wedding at which there are no more than five persons, including the celebrant. Gathering for a funeral service at which there are no more than um, ten persons, including uh, the person conducting the service. F, a gathering to facilitate the move to a new place of residence, including a business moving to new premises, uh, which I was happy to read because I'm intending to move house next month. Um, a gathering to provide care or assistance to a vulnerable person. H, a gathering to provide emergency assistance. Um, a gathering necessary, this is I, for the person to fulfil a legal obligation, including attending a court or tribunal. So those are basically the reasons why the government says that you can participate in um, a gathering of more than two people in a public place. Do you think that the ten, more than 10 people at the funeral includes the deceased? <laughs> no, I don't think it includes the deceased. Interesting. <laughs> a question was raised on Facebook today about whether you can have a wedding in your home where the celebrant comes to your home and you can have present at the wedding more than five people in circumstances where there are more than five people in your household. Mm. And I think working <laughs> through the provisions, the answer is yes, because mm. the starting point is that the two-person gathering only applies to a public place. The celebrant can obviously leave with a reasonable excuse from their residence because they're doing so for work, namely officiating over the wedding. And then the um, people are entitled to stay in their household. So I think the five-person rule only applies to a wedding that occurs in a public place. It has to be right. Has to be right. Has to be right, yeah. And even if you had a really small house, the four square metre rule, which I don't think you've got to yet, Steve, but which is one of the requirements, that doesn't apply in a residence. So if you had a really large family living in a small place and you added the celebrant and that meant you breached the four square metre rule, then that would be immaterial. Uh, indeed. The Police Commissioner of New, for New South Wales, Mick Fuller, today said that this uh, regime will be in place for 90 days until roughly the 27th to the 29th of June. Uh, on what basis does he make that assumption? And I'm, I'm calling it an assumption. He said, he said that on the basis that he wasn't going to ask for the powers again. What legal basis? None. Should the police commissioner be commenting on such things? Absolutely not. Yeah, Absolutely. I mean, it's a three-month order, right? So normally it would expire after three months um, mm -hmm. because the Act provides that an order under the section expires at the end of 90 days after it was made or on such early date as may be specified. Accordingly, this is in... Part two of the order, sorry, part two, clause one. Accordingly, this order will expire at the end of 29 June 2020 unless it is revoked earlier. The thing that I thought was interesting, though, and this goes back to what Manny said about the commissioner's remarks, was that this is an order signed by the health minister. It's not a police order. Um, and I wouldn't have thought that it was an order um, of a nature where it was made on the request of the police commissioner at all. Uh, rather, it was an implementation of the National Cabinet's uh, policy decision about social distancing. So I don't really understand why the Commissioner would have much of a role at all in deciding whether this order would or would not be renewed. It's a health issue, <laughs> I would have thought. The characterisation of this document is, is one that really troubles me, and I think I might wait to remark on it in more detail after you've gone through the schedules, Stephen, but I don't know what this document is. I understand that it purports to be an order, but I don't know what it's doing. I don't know... When, when you actually get down to analyse what it says and what people think it says, you have very, very two different beasts. 
But I think mm. it's best to set it out first before we go into that. Yeah, so then going on to part four, uh, part four contains the implementation of the National Health Cabinet's, Health Cabinet's decisions that certain commercial premises should be closed. So the minister directs that the following must not be open to members of the public. I won't read them all, but it includes pubs and registered clubs, except for selling food and providing hotel services, food and drink premises, um, entertainment facilities, amusement centres, casinos, microbreweries, small distilleries, uh, recreation facilities, places of public worship, except for the purpose of conducting uh, the following a wedding of no more than five, a funeral of no more than ten, uh, business premises that are spas, nail salons, beauty salons, waxing salons, etc., auction houses, betting agencies, markets uh, that do not predominantly sell food, uh, information and education facilities, caravan parks and camping grounds, uh, community facilities, sex service premises. So just by rattling through some of those, you do get a sense of the way that this crisis has been an, an assault on the Australian way of life. Um, the Minister also directs through Part 4 the closure of public swimming pools, properties, properties, start that again, uh, properties operated by the National Trust or the Historic Houses Trust, uh, gaming lounges, strip clubs, outdoor playground equipment, outdoor gymnasium equipment, skate parks, um, there's provision for, uh, for real estate agents not to conduct open inspections, not to conduct option, uh, uh, auctions, um, and a number of other uh, more technical provisions um, and definitions that relate to the closure of premises. Then you get to part five, which relates to obligations of owners and occupiers of premises. And this is the clause that brings in the four square metre rule. Doesn't apply in all premises. For example, it doesn't apply. This is in clause 8.2 in a person's place of residence or a gathering referred to in schedule 2. And I'll come to the schedules in a moment. But um, yeah, clause 8 introduces the restrictions on not having more than 100 people in an indoor space, um, not allowing persons to enter or stay on premises, whether comprised of an outdoor or indoor space, if the size of the premises is insufficient to ensure there is four square metres of space for each person on the premises. Um, you'll see when I come uh, to the schedules that, uh, for example, that four square, four square metre rule does not apply to supermarkets. So supermarkets don't have to make sure that there's enough space for everyone to have that space around them, but it does apply to other retail uh, shops and so forth that are still open. Um, so then there's one clause about information exchange that allows the New South Wales uh, agencies and ministers to collect um, and disseminate information for the purpose of protecting the health or welfare of members of the public. It's worth noting in relation to the information exchange, I don't know whether or not that's actually within the power, but let's assume it is because I haven't satisfied myself it's not. There are talks, there is serious talks going on at the moment um, about the use of people's mobile phone data, including cell phone tower data that allows you to pinpoint the position of people, and in the Commonwealth space, the metadata that's retained under the metadata retention laws, to ascertain where people have been and who they have been with for the purposes of enforcing social isolation laws. Um, and, and that was done um, in Singapore, I believe. That's part of how they traced and tested in Singapore. Yeah. So, But they're, they're talking about using it to enforce. So if you're outside talking with three other people, they're going to track you down with your cell phone. So what is on the face of it, just a little thing about information exchange, is frightening to my mind. And I just, I don't want to go that. Yeah, that's interesting. It's an, it's a, it seems an unlikely fit in a public health order to purport to grant um, authorisation of that nature. Uh, anyway. Yeah, uh, I mean, like, it's also a waste of resources. I mean, why don't you divert your attention away from 
monitoring the public and just monitor people's health instead? Good question. Yeah. I mean, I think, um, you know, we're, we're in this kind of novel situation, right, where, you know, the novelty hasn't worn off yet. Um, and I think people, by and large, are complying with the regime. But um, I can easily... How long is that going to last for, Exactly. Though? I can well imagine a situation going forward where our community goodwill uh, quite quickly dissipates, um, which I think is yeah. why the government has been quite flexible in their interpretation of this order, and we'll come to some of those issues in the moment. Um, in a moment, I think. But um, they're allowing fishing... They're allowing boyfriend, girlfriends, etc., to visit each other, even though those things wouldn't seem to be authorised on the face of the order. I think they're well aware of the potential for uh, for dissension, if you like. When you say they, you mean the police commissioner? Yeah, the state government. Well, I'm not sure I've heard any ministers say that, but maybe they have. But I heard the commissioner say it, which concerned me. So I might then just come to the schedules. Um, so schedule one lists a list of reasonable excuses. And as I said earlier, they're, they're not exclusive in the sense that they're just examples. Uh, but I'll run through some of the main ones. Um, obtaining food or other goods and services for the personal needs of the household or other household purposes, including for pets um, and vulnerable persons. Um, there was some suggestion from some people that this was limited to leaving the house for essentials, uh, but that's not the case. You can leave the house to obtain food or other goods or services, and obviously there's a whole lot of businesses that are still open that are not uh, perhaps um, of uh, the character of essential. Uh, Travelling for the purposes of work, if the person cannot work from the person's place of residence. So that casts an obligation on workers to to only work from their normal place of work if they can't work from home. Uh, Travelling for the purpose of attending childcare. Travelling for the purpose of facilitating attendance at a school or other educational institution if the person attending the school or institution can't learn from the person's place of residence. So again, there's now a legal obligation to not take your kids to school unless they can't do home learning. Five, exercising. Six, obtaining medical care or supplies or health supplies or fulfilling carers' responsibilities. Um, Attending a wedding or a funeral in the circumstances referred to in clause 62D and E or 71H, uh, so they are referred to specifically there. Moving to a new place of residence, including a business moving to new premises, providing care or assistance, including personal care to a vulnerable person, or providing emergency assistance, uh, donating blood, undertaking any legal obligation, accessing public services, and it lists a number of those. And then this is uh, interesting, 13, For children who do not live in the same household as their parents or siblings or one of their parents or siblings, continuing existing arrangements for access to or contact between parents and children or siblings. And I wasn't sure on the face of that whether that would apply to adult children. So to allow adult children to visit their adult parents. Um, I think, Felicity, you looked at the definitions, didn't you? Yeah, so there's no definition in the order of children or child, although parent is defined in the order to mean in relation to a child includes a person who's not a parent of the child but who has parental responsibility for or who has care of the child. And then if you go to the Public Health Act, which um, this order is made under, there is a definition of child which refers you to the regulations which basically um, refers to certain classes of children relevant for particular provisions in the Act which seem to um, mean children being under the age of 18 because it refers to certain children being in childcare facilities or attending or enrolled in school and being under the age of 18. But there's no clear 
definition within the Act um, or the regulations that would really answer this question, I don't think. Mm, interesting. I mean, the, the, the words are continuing existing arrangements for access to and contact between would sort of tend to suggest that it's probably talking about juveniles, wouldn't it? Mm. And I guess in the context of this pandemic, whether or not it's an enforceable provision under this order and criminalised conduct as a result of the order, it seems that a lot of the advice from the health authorities is that we should be trying to minimise contact with higher-risk people, which older people fall into that category so whether or not it's actually prohibited under this order or whether it's deemed to be a reasonable excuse under this order as an adult child to go and visit your um, adult parent doesn't necessarily answer the question about whether you should do that Mm, yeah of course yeah so then just to conclude on that schedule there's some other things There's a specific provision for a person who is a priest, minister of religion or member of a religious order, going to their place of worship or providing pastoral care. 15, avoiding injury or illness or to escape a risk of harm. Uh, uh, Obviously important in the context of a lot of concern about an increase in domestic violence with everyone being at home together. And then 16, emergencies and compassionate reasons. You then come lastly to Schedule 2 which is um, essential gatherings. So which types of gatherings are exempt from the earlier rule in the order that prohibits gatherings of more than two? And there's a long list of them. I'll run through some of them. A gathering at an airport that is necessary for the normal business of the airport, gathering for the purpose of or related to transportation, including in vehicles or at stations, platforms or stops, gathering at a hospital or other medical or health service facility, a gathering at a prison, correctional facility, a disability or aged care facility, a gathering at a court or tribunal, a gathering at parliament for the purpose of its normal operations, um, even though parliament is not having normal operations, as we discussed in the last episode, a gathering at a supermarket, a market that predominantly sells food, grocery store or shopping centre, but not in a retail store in a shopping centre other than a supermarket, um, a gathering at a retail store that is necessary for the normal business of the store, a gathering at an office building, farm, factory, warehouse or mining or construction site, a school or university or other educational institution or childcare. Um, all of these are things that are necessary, have to be necessary for the normal business of the place. Gathering at a hotel, motel or other accommodation facility, again, that's necessary for normal operation. Gathering at an outdoor space where two or more persons may be present for the purpose of transport transiting through the place for example the pit street mall so that's the the main order that is impacting um, on people's lives if people go to legislation.newsouthwales.gov.au on the very first page you'll find a list of all of the public health orders i've spent a lot of time over the last couple of days trying to figure out what this order actually says as opposed to what people say it says and how it actually works and I, I mean, I could spend the next two hours talking through the issues with the way that this order is drafted and, and what it actually does. I won't do that. But I think if we just focus, say, on Clause 5, this is the one that purports to put people on home detention unless they've got a reason to go outside, is the way that I think about it. Um, that says that a person must not, without reasonable excuse, leave the person's place of residence. So let's assume I've got to go to work tomorrow for some reason. I have a reasonable excuse to leave. And then I finish work. I don't have to go home. There's no law in New South Wales, so far as I can see, that requires me to return home. So, and in fact, when we'll come to this, I think, when we discuss the other states. Other states thought about that and they made the laws to deal with that, but we didn't. Um, so there, there's, a, there's an obvious example of a real stuff-up in this legislation. Um, in my view... If properly done, this law is completely unenforceable. Um, firstly, there's the how the hell do they know 
if you're out on the streets with or without a reasonable excuse? The answer is they ask you. Okay, well, I'm not answering you, Constable. What's next? How can you possibly prove that I have a reason that I don't have a reasonable excuse if I don't open my mouth? Right. So, I mean, at the moment, people are cooperating, but once people cotton on to this. Is your mattress making noises it never used to? Or is it sagging, causing you to... Then it's time to get a new one. Get the best sleep at the best value with the Nectar mattress. Prices start at just $499, and you get $399 in accessories thrown in, a 365-night home trial, and a forever warranty. Go to Nectarsleep.com. This order just doesn't work because people won't say why they're out. There's no power to compel answers to those kinds of questions, nor should there be in my view, but there's no power to compel. And even the power that was given to them specifically in light of COVID to, to arrest people and take them home is predicated on a suspicion that this act is, that this order has been breached. And it's just not possible. I mean, you can think of circumstances where it is possible to form that suspicion. But generally speaking, it's not possible to form that suspicion if you're, say, walking through the city during the day. Um, And so, and and the other problem is that the offence provision itself in Section 10 of the Public Health Act 2010 itself has within it the reasonable excuse defence. So a person must do what they're doing, um, right, unless they fail without reasonable excuse to comply with the direction. So there's this double nesting of reasonable excuses. So whether or not you can say, whether or not the Minister for Health can say that a particular thing is not a reasonable excuse, to my mind he can't say that, nor can he limit by setting out a series of things that are reasonable excuses, what a court might consider a reasonable excuse to be. Now, it's been a long time since I've looked at the law about reasonable excuse, but it also seems to me that the proof of reasonable excuse on the face of it is on the prosecutor. So you don't have to give them an excuse. They have to prove you didn't have a reasonable excuse. So taking all of that together... And there are, I could do that with each of those provisions. They're all, they've all got similar problems. What is this document doing? And what it's doing, in my view, is, one, providing a public relations document to say, hey, look, all of you stay home and these are the things we want you to do and nothing else. And, two, the police are going to fine you if you step out of line and you don't deal with them well. But we're not going to take you to court. We'll just give you a $1,000 fine and that's the threat. So you do what you're told, you comply when the police ask you, give them a decent excuse, or you stay home. Now, I don't cavil with the reasons why it may be necessary for people to stay home. What my problem is, is that it's not appropriate for the police commissioner to be enunciating to the people what the law is, where they can and can't go, the Parliament should do it, and if the Parliament's not going to do it, it shouldn't be done by some shoddily half-baked order signed at 10.38pm or 10.30pm by the Health Minister with very little notice given to the population and no thought behind what they're actually doing. That's my concern. So your point, Manny, is if you leave home with a particular intention, you then, uh, let's say your intention is to go shopping... You then do your shopping, you then walk out the front of the shopping centre, you run into a mate. There's nothing to stop you staying and talking to your mate for as long as you want because you left your house with a reasonable excuse and there's nothing in that order about um, or staying out, uh, for example. That's right. And so everyone who wants to come to the 200-person wedding I'm going to throw in my house, say, just has to make sure they don't go home after they leave with their last reasonable excuse. So it raises a real question about police approaching young people, for example, that are gathering around shops and so forth and querying them about why they haven't gone home from school straight away, doesn't it? Because they've left home in the morning with a reasonable excuse and there's no yep. applicable criminal sanction uh, for remaining out or it Nothing. would seem that way. Yeah, so uh, yeah. I think it's quite useful to compare it with the Queensland provision. 
So in Queensland, under their Public Health Act 2005, um, the Minister for Health made an order declaring a public health emergency on the 29th of January 2020 and declared the all of Queensland to be the relevant public health emergency area. That then gave rise to the Chief Health Officer giving some directions under powers in the Public Health Act in Section 362, Capital B, to assist in containing or responding to the spread of COVID-19 within the community. And the relevant direction that is comparable is this. A person who resides in Queensland must not leave their principal place of residence except for and only to the extent reasonably necessary to accomplish the following permitted purposes. And then it lists what is an exhaustive list. And that's another distinction that's of importance, I think, when we consider the regimes as they apply around the country because they do have um, some meaningful differences. And I think although the offence in Queensland of failing to comply with the public health direction has that carve-out of a reasonable excuse, um, the Queensland order or direction only permits um, specified purposes in terms of leaving and remaining out of, out of your home or your principal place of residence. So to obtain food or other essential goods or services, to obtain medical treatment or other healthcare services, to engage in physical exercise either alone in, or in the company of no more than one other person or in the company of a family group ordinarily living in the same household, um, for work, um, that's engaged in an essential business activity or undertaking and that cannot reasonably be performed from home, to visit a terminally ill relative or attend a funeral subject to the restrictions that apply to them, uh, to provide assistance, care or support to an immediate member of the person's family, to attend any court or comply with orders of a court and to attend a childcare facility, school, university or other educational institution to the extent care or instruction cannot reasonably be obtained in the person's principal place of residence. That's a pretty limited set of permitted purposes and it does qualify the absence from home as it's or the permitted purpose is not just tethered to leaving your principal place of residence but... You have to go home after you have accomplished that purpose. I think including within the content of the New South Wales order the reasonable excuse provision and, as you say, doubling up in a way, I think that actually is quite meaningful in circumstances where there might be a number of other excuses that justify you leaving your house and it's clear within the body of the order that that schedule list is not exhaustive, which is different to in other jurisdictions like Queensland where you, you've got the reasonable excuse defence but you've got to prima facie comply with one of the permitted purposes. Yeah, and I think what that means in effect is that the nature of one's potential reasonable excuse is not influenced or coloured by the listing of reasonable excuses in the order because the statutory defence is reasonable excuse and that's unqualified. So you, you can't, for example, derive meaning really from that list in Schedule 1 in terms of what the statutory defence is. Because it's just the yeah, minister's well, opinion. It leaves it leaves the the qualification in five four in an interesting position where it says you know you you going to a regional area for a holiday is not a reasonable excuse. I don't know that the minister can say that. I mean, on one view, what he's saying is I'm directing you not to go for a holiday. Um, 
right? But again, what if I leave to go shopping and then while I'm out shopping, I decide to go on a holiday? Yeah, though I you suppose know? maybe it is influenced by it in this sense that when the minister makes the order, he he himself or she has declared the public health risk. Um, so the court is presumably going to pay a fair bit of deference to the circumstances when interpreting what, what reasonable excuse means in the context of any particular risk. I, I think that's absolutely right, Stephen, and, and that's what I don't like about it, is that if you're going to do it, then do it in the way that Queensland did it, which is say it, don't, you know, and, and wear the opprobrium of making that decision or don't. Don't, don't put us in a position where we're at the whim of executive, of, of the police commissioner, which is what was practically happened, is the police commissioner is saying, I'm going to interpret these, you know, don't worry about it, I got it, you know. And that, that just troubles me. I think the girlfriend, boyfriend or non-resident partner example is quite a good one to flesh out because the commissioner was asked, the commissioner of police was asked, can, you know, a, a girlfriend or boyfriend that or partner that doesn't live in the same household as their partner um, leave their house to go and see their, their boyfriend or girlfriend? Um, and the minister, uh, sorry, the commissioner's response was, "Oh yes, that comes under care." Yeah. But if you look at the provision the relating to care in the schedule, that is a pretty constrained uh, category. Providing care or assistance, including pers- personal care, to a vulnerable person. Now, you can't, I don't think, say that that's somehow capable of being interpreted as qualifying all relationships and allowing that visitation or or whatever. I think there might be an argument that it just falls under a general reasonable excuse, but when you consider the purpose of this order, which is to prevent or limit social contact so that people's social webs don't expand and you have a household that has four members in it with one person who wants to go and visit their boyfriend in another household that has six members in it, some of which have to leave for work, others of which have to leave for other purposes. The web expands very quickly in terms of potential for community transmission. So I, I think it's, it's pretty complex to work out how these particular examples you know, immediately fall within the reasonable excuse category and it's really weird the you know the fixation on beaches as well because a reasonable excuse in the definitions is exercise and um, why can't you go for a jog on the beach what's why why is the sand well, yeah or a swim why is the sand so offensive I don't understand it and they were using they were using the shark alarm at Maroubra Beach the other day to try and stop people from swimming. And surfing as a way of trying to get people to leave the beach, which if you... It's weird. Crying wolf. Exactly, Manny. Exactly. Can I tell you, one of the things that I'm worried about is, are the police cautioning people before they ask them why they're out? Are they telling them that what they say might incriminate them? I'm sure they're not. You know? Mm -hmm. Sure, they're not. It's just we're just all these norms, all these rights, just being washed away. You know. Mm. So coming back to that permitted purposes in the Queensland order, I think the girlfriend boyfriend example is out, don't you think, guys? In the Queensland order. Yeah. Yeah, I don't actually have it in front of me, um, but I think it's arguably 
out on the New South Wales order, even though the police commissioner's indicated that it won't be enforced in that way. And Victoria was certainly saying that it was out, but they've also changed their position. I'm not sure if they've amended their order or not, but yeah, I mean, I think they're all bending in the interests of of maintaining community support for these restrictions, as I read it. Yeah, so the Victorian provision is similar to Queensland in the sense that um, it requires a person who is in Victoria during the stay-at-home period, which currently um, ends at midnight on the 13th of April, um, but presumably could be extended, uh, they must not leave the premises where the person ordinarily resides other than for one or more of the reasons specified in particular clauses relating to necessary goods or services, care or other compassionate reasons, work and education, exercise and certain other specified um, reasons. Uh, But again, it doesn't have a sort of catch-all in terms of providing other potential reasonable excuses for leaving, although the offence-creating provision has a reasonable excuse. In Victoria, I think it's probably a bit clearer, Manny, that the provision relating to reasonable excuse might uh, have an onus on the accused to establish it um, because it sets up the um, offence provision that it's an offence to fail to comply with the direction but then has a secondary provision that says a person is not guilty if they have a reasonable excuse? So the the law on reasonable excuse, at least in this regard, in in terms of where the onus lies, is that it is still on a case-by-case basis. It's not not like there's a hard and absolute rule um, that reasonable excuse is always the province of the crown to disprove which it normally would be with the with the requirement the onus being on the crown in the ordinary case uh but generally speaking unless there's some indication in the legislation uh the onus remains on the crown so for example with possessing a public knife with possessing a knife in a public place or in a school you might think that's that's one where you you'd infer that the onus was on the Crown, but actually the legislation says proof of which is on the person, right? So if you're carrying a knife on the street, you have to prove what what your reasonable excuse is. It's also interesting that it doesn't say lawful excuse. There's a difference between lawful excuse and reasonable excuse. Arguably, a reasonable excuse is a larger number of things than a lawful excuse. That is to say, there are things that are unlawful that might otherwise be reasonable. Um, and the law on that can get quite detailed and specific. Uh, but reasonable excuse is actually quite a wide ambit of things. It can fall into a reasonable excuse. And I think in this regard, a court would have regard to what the minister's thoughts are on this. Uh, but I think people will be pushing it. And I think if people do challenge those $1,000 fines, and $1,000 is a lot of money, I mean, if, if they do challenge those $1,000 fines, I think there's going to be some tough laws, tough law that comes out of that ultimately, and most of them won't be in front of the magistrates. It'll have to be upstairs in, in the Supreme Court. Yeah, so I won't go through them all, but there's a number of other public health orders um, on the legislation website for New South Wales that have been issued. So there's one in relation to air transportation quarantine. So that's the public health order that is used to implement the decision of the National Health Cabinet that people, Australian citizens and residents who arrive in Australia since the making of the order on 29 March will be forced to stay in hotels for uh, two weeks. So the provisions that regulate that are in that order. There's a maritime quarantine order that commenced 28 March 2020 that has similar provisions for people that arrive arrive on ships and so forth. There's a public health order relating to self-isolation for people who are diagnosed with COVID-19. 
that puts certain uh, legal obligations on them. There's a public health order relating to aged care facilities that puts special rules on visiting aged care facilities and the like. And then there's a specific order for Lord Howe Island as well. Um, So that's the public health orders in relation uh, to New South Wales. I might just quickly uh, talk about some of the orders made under the Commonwealth legislation. The Commonwealth has got the Biosecurity Act, which is quite a complicated act that has a whole lot of provisions for dealing uh, with disease and various um, emergencies of that nature. Uh, The Minister has powers under that act once a biosecurity emergency is declared to do a whole lot of things. Two particular things that um, are relevant here is uh, the cruise ship ban. That was a a decision by the health minister, the federal health minister, um, made on the 18th of March. Um, It's called the Biosecurity, Human Biosecurity Emergency Human Coronavirus with Pandemic Potential Emergency Requirements Determination of 2020, which forbids international cruise ships from entering Australian ports prior to 15 April 2020. And there's a number of exceptions to that where they can or they are allowed uh, to port um, in certain circumstances, and that's that's obviously topical at the moment with um, the large number of cruise ships off the coast who don't want to leave Australian waters because there's sick people on board, but whom the Australian government um, and state governments are not allowing to land. There was also a determination uh, made under the Biosecurity Act that, in effect, bans Australian Australian citizens and residents uh, from leaving Australia. So another very uh, significant restriction. Um, Again, that was a decision of the National Health Cabinet. There's a number of exemptions um, under the Act, sorry, under the uh, determination, but the general position is that we are no longer allowed to travel overseas. Yeah, so that's a bit of an overview of uh, the different regulations um, on movement at a state and federal level. What's happening in the other states, Felicity? Yeah, so Manny, in Victoria, um, there have been um, orders made under the Public Health and Wellbeing Act 2008 by the Deputy Chief Health Officer, uh, particularly um, the one that might be most worthwhile commenting on is the stay-at-home directions, which um, I've mentioned Um, but which also has certain certain provisions that are slightly different to what applies in New South Wales. So people might be quite familiar with the advice that's being given uh, on social distancing to maintain a 1.5 metre distance from other people when moving about the world. And only some of the jurisdictions have chosen to implement that advice or policy from the National Cabinet into their orders. Victoria is one of them. Um, And the way that Victoria has implemented that is by allowing a person to leave the premises to exercise so they can... You can go out of your home to exercise in Victoria as you can in other places, but you must um, take reasonable steps to maintain a distance of 1.5 metres from all other persons uh, and uh, comply with the restrictions on gatherings which um, basically require you to um, either be with only one other person or be with people who ordinarily reside with you. Uh, And then the other things of note from the Victorian order is that um, during the stay-at-home period, a person must not enter any single undivided indoor space unless no other person is in that space or only one other person is in that space, or more than one other person is in the space, but all of those other persons ordinarily reside at the same premises at the person. 
And mm. then there are certain exceptions to that, like um, weddings, funerals that comply with the limits on numbers for those events, and then other specified um, purposes relating to food and drink, care, work and education, um, and other specified so it's reasons. It's all kind of the same as New South Wales, just done in a slightly harsher way. Is that where Victoria lands? Well, I just think that that um, prohibition on entering into an un- undivided indoor space would mean mm. that you can't have um, any visitors to your home unless they qualify under one of the specified purposes. That's the same here. If you, if you, well, if you, you can't leave to go to someone's house here, right? You can, if you're out, you could go, but you can't leave. Unless it's emergency or compassionate or some other reasonable excuse, yeah. And are the other states and territories the same, effectively? Look, there's a few, there's a few different um, things to note. I think ACT is quite different. So... The ACT, um, there's a Public Health Act 1997 order that was made by the Chief Health Officer. So this is a a direction called the Public Health Non-Essential Gatherings Emergency Direction 2020. It's made under Section 120 of the Public Health Act 1997 and it commenced at 11.59pm on the 31st of March 2020 and it revokes and replaces um, earlier directions. So under that uh, direction, in relation to residential premises, an occupier of residential premises must not permit more than two persons other than those ordinarily resident at the premises to enter and remain in the premises. They have to honour the four square metre rule and um, a person not ordinarily resident must not enter or remain if there's, um, in addition to persons ordinarily resident there, two or more persons or the one person per four square metres cannot be observed. And then that has a bunch of carve-outs. It doesn't apply where there's provision of medical care, law enforcement, other emergency situations, providing necessary care, etc., etc. Then in relation to outdoor areas, a person must not organise or attend a gathering of more than two people. Uh, that weddings and funerals are accepted where they comply with those limitations. Um, but there's I mean, not the otherwise a... Um, prohibition it seems in ACT of in terms of leaving your house without a reasonable excuse etc it's just that two person in addition to your normal household rule as far as I can see I was in Canberra three weeks ago and there was nobody on the streets nobody wonder if that arises from a human rights analysis because the ACT has got the human rights act so they're required to draft these kind of directions in compliance with it. And maybe there's an argument that it's not leaving your house that increases any particular risk, but rather acts of gathering and so forth. And so they decided to tailor it in that way. So under the South Australian order, another thing to note is that funerals, if they're held outdoors, can be up to 15 people, but the 10 people rule applies to indoor funerals uh, as it applies in other jurisdictions. But another thing I think just to generally keep in mind is that these orders are coming in thick and fast. They are changing um, sometimes on a daily basis. When I was looking at the Northern Territory provisions this afternoon, by the time we started recording tonight, they'd already been superseded. So people need to bear in mind that the situation is changing very quickly and that means the law is changing very quickly in terms of whether you might be committing a crime or not and it's important to try and stay on top of it. 
That also means that I have to edit this episode as soon as possible and get it up online as soon as possible also. And, and also what we say is not legal advice. Oh, yeah. Hmm. What I say is in particular <laughs> should not be considered any advice, legal or otherwise. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank the Wigs for taking time out to record another impromptu episode. Felicity Graham. Signing off, Jim. Signing off. Emmanuel Kirkasharian. Till next time. Till next time. And Stephen Lawrence. Thanks, guys. Speak to you soon. The Wigs will be back with our episode, next episode on the COVID-19 crisis very, very soon. But until then, listeners, look after yourselves and take care of each other. The Jerry Springer sign off. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Please like The Wigs on Facebook at The Wigs Podcast. Don't forget to rate and review on iTunes.